0: Welcome. This episode is from my colleague down the hall in MBA career services at the Foster School of Business and their podcast, Conversations on Careers and Professional Life. I thought listeners would especially appreciate this episode where Gregory Heller breaks down the common networking and interview question, tell me about yourself. I hope you enjoy this episode of Conversations on Careers and Professional Life as much as I did. If you do, consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Happy listening. This is Conversations on Careers and Professional Life, a podcast from the Foster School of Business, MBA Career Management Office. I'm your host, Gregory Heller. On each episode, I talk with guests from faculty and staff to students and business leaders about the skills and strategies that can help you design a professional life that you're happy with. This episode is going to be a little bit different than most. I don't have a guest, so it's not really a conversation, but it is based on the conversations I've had with many students preparing for behavioral job interviews. Students often come to me and the other coaches at Foster to work on their tell me about yourself or teammate answers. It's important to recognize that there are different contexts for answering this question. Students are often preparing for information sessions or networking activities. Before they start preparing for interviews. And the way you answer the question in a networking setting is going to be a little bit different than in an interview. In either situation, this is your opportunity to explain your career and highlight your interests and the skills and talents that have contributed to your successes along the way. Another way to think about this answer is where have you been, where are you now, and where do you want to go? Connecting the dots along the way. In an interview, You usually don't need to start with your name or that you're a first-year student in an MBA program. The interviewer should know these two things at least, and you've probably already had some sort of rapport-building chit-chat. I like to say that this first answer is your opportunity to lay a foundation for the interview and the other stories that you'll share. The foundation should include the talents or strengths that have contributed to your success and that you believe are applicable to the role that you're applying for. During each of the subsequent behavioral questions, you have the opportunity to stack bricks on that foundation. By the end of the interview, the interviewer should be able to recognize what you've built rather than see a muddy lot strewn with bricks and stones. Another question I often hear is, how should I end the team A? This is another aspect in which context is important. In the networking setting, you should end the team A with a clear direction of where you hope to go with your MBA. That way, the person you're speaking with has an idea of how they can help you. In the context of an internship or job interview, you don't want to end it with a statement like, and that's why I want to work for your company in this role. The reason being, those were the next two questions the interviewer was likely to ask you. Why do you want to work for my company? And why are you interested in this role? For each question, you have 90 seconds to 3 minutes for your answer. The shot clock resets with each of these questions. If you spend four or five minutes answering the tell me about yourself question and touching on the role and the company, the interviewer may skip those two questions. It's awkward to follow up a statement like, and that's why I want to work for your company, with a question like, why do you want to work for my company? I advise students to end the team A in a way that invites the next question, such as, and that's one of the main reasons I decided to get my MBA, or that's just one of the reasons why I'm interested in working for Acme Co. or, and that's one of the reasons why I'm pursuing a career in consulting. The key part of all of these examples is the one of the. That makes the next natural question, what are some of the other reasons? Now, this is, of course, not the only way to bring your answer in for a landing, but I think it's a particularly effective way. For the next two common questions in a behavioral interview, why this role and why this company? One of the mistakes I see people make is telling the interviewer things they already know about the role and things they already know about the company they work for. You may think by sharing these things you know about the role or company that you're answering the question, but you haven't. You need to explain why these things you've shared are important to you. What's the connection? It can also be helpful to use signposting in these answers. For example, there are three main reasons I'm interested in consulting, and then enumerating those reasons. After the first three questions are out of the way, the interviewer moves to behavioral questions that start like, can you give me an example of a time when, or something similar to that. You may have prepared half a dozen to a dozen stories, and hopefully you'll have at least a few direct hits where the story that you prepared exactly answers the question that was asked. But the same question can be asked in different ways, and you also might get questions that you weren't specifically prepared for. You want to demonstrate that you've listened to and understand the question by making adjustments to the story you use in your answer. It might take you a few moments to sort through your mental catalog of stories for the right one. For both reasons, it's a good idea to have some time-buying phrases like, that's a good question. Let me think of the best example to share. Or, let me think of an experience that answers your question. Each of these will serve to acknowledge the question and give you a few extra moments to prepare your answer. Now, you can't say, that's a good question, for obvious and predictable questions like, tell me about a time you led a team, but you can use it sparingly. In each of your answers, you'll want to highlight the particular talents or strengths that contributed to your success. These should match with the foundation you laid in your tell me about yourself answer. Of course, you'll want to use a structure like star, situation, task, actions, results, or car, context, actions, results, or something like Lewis Lin's digs method, dramatize the situation, introduce the alternatives, go through what you did, summarize the results. Whichever you use, you wanna make sure that you have a balance between each part of your answer. I often see students spend too much time on the situation or context, rush through a very procedural set of actions, and sometimes leave off the result. I like starting with the car structure and aiming for spending about a third of the time in the answer on each part and perhaps moving towards a 25%, 50%, 25% distribution. In the action section, it's important to not only explain what you did, but also the why and the how. In other words, the strengths or competencies that led you to take those actions or contributed to your success. This is especially important for career changers. Because the tasks you performed in your previous roles may have little to do with the responsibilities of the role you're applying for. Be sure to explain the strengths and talents that contributed to your previous successes. Some stories do require a good bit of context. If you know you've got a story like that, you may want to provide a summary statement at the outset. Something like, I'd like to tell you about a time when I used my ability to forge strong relationships to influence a decision on a team. Now, if you get to the end of your story and realize that you didn't highlight a strength, you can use what I call a summarize and generalize statement that sounds something like this. So I think this is a really good example of how I use my relationship building skills to influence decisions on a team. Now, I don't recommend using a statement like this at the end of every answer. That would be just weird. Let me leave you with a few concrete next steps to improve your stories for behavioral interviews. First, figure out what your listener truly needs to know about the situation or context to understand the actions you took and the strengths or talents you demonstrated in the situation. Next, be sure you've identified those strengths, talents, and competencies in each story and you've laid the foundation for them in your team A. I recommend preparing a summary statement for each story that could be used before the story, sort of like a results first or bottom line on top statement. Next, Prepare a summarize and generalized statement that can be used at the end. It's not that you'll use these two statements in every question, but they will help you think through the key messages of each story. Lastly, spend more time talking through your stories than writing and wordsmithing them on the page. The way we speak and listen to the spoken word is different than the way we write and read. Kristen Graham and I touch on this in a recent episode of the podcast. If you spend too much time on the page with your stories, you may get caught up trying to remember an exact script, and that will make it even more difficult to adapt stories to the specific questions you're asked in an interview. For more tips on behavioral interviewing, listen to my conversation with career coach Elaine Newtson on episode 11 of season two of this podcast. You can find it at conversationsoncareers.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of Conversations on Careers and Professional Life. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast. You can email me at gheller at uw.edu. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or classmate.